0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Uh, so we're going to be jumping into Leviticus chapter 11, verse 43, and all throughout uh, Leviticus chapter 11, God is explaining, and we'll go into it more um, in a little bit, but God is explaining um, what is all the clean animals and what is unclean, and it, 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 it's a pretty long passage of scripture, but this is at the end. This is when he's, he's finished talking to uh, Israel and what is clean and unclean, and this is where uh, we pick up in verse 43. So God said, do not defile yourselves by touching them. But you must make yourself ceremonially, uh, or you will make yourself ceremonially unclean. Everybody say unclean. Because of them, for I am the Lord your God, you must consecrate. Everybody say consecrate. You must consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am holy. So do not defile yourselves with any of these small animals that scurry along the ground. For I, the Lord, I am the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt that I might be your God. Therefore, you must be holy. Everybody say holy. holy. Because I am holy. So what we're going to be talking about tonight is, is what does that mean? Why, why does God instruct us to be holy? I believe that, that in the response to salvation, in the response to what God has done for us, that we serve a holy and mighty God. And then, because of that, there's a response that we need to have, and we're going to be diving deeper into that tonight. But here's the title. You can turn to your neighbor and say, Cleaned and Redeemed cleaned and redeemed. That's the title for tonight. Let's go ahead and pray over service together. Father, we welcome in your presence into this place, God. We thank you, Father, for, God, this, uh, your will taking place, God. Communicate what you want to communicate, God, that we are here for you, Father. We're not here for anybody else. We're not here, God, to to play church, God. We're not here, Father, just to hear an encouraging, uh, motivational message. No, God, we're here for your spirit. We're here to hear from you. We're here, God, for a divine appointment, God, of revelation. God, from your mouth, so God, let your will be done, let change be broken, let minds be open, let hearts be softened, God, let your will take place tonight, and let us walk out of this place, not the same way as we walked in, but God, let us walk out, God, more bolder in the spirit, God, let us walk out, God, more confident in our identity, God, let us walk out of this place knowing who you are in our lives, so we can line ourselves up with your will, we love you, Jesus, and everybody says, amen, amen, come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise tonight and y'all can be seated y'all can be seated thank y'all for standing in honor of reading god's word uh, so in Leviticus chapter 11, like I said, God goes through all these different animals, and he begins to describe what is clean and what is unclean. He begins to describe what the nation of Israel can eat and what they cannot eat, and um, it, it's really long, but in a way to kind of get you a big picture of it in your mind, uh, we have a slide for you that kind of semi-breaks it down, um, just so you can see as a, as a uh, you know, uh, Bigger perspective, but uh, really, the how he he breaks it down into four different categories. God says there's a there's clean flying animals, then there's, there's unclean flying animals, and as you can see, they could eat turkeys, they could eat chickens, but they couldn't eat uh, vultures or hawks or or things like that. Um, and then there was clean uh, land animals and then unclean land animals. And for the clean animals. Uh, God said, whatever mammals that chew cod and had a part in their, in their, in their hooves, uh, they, those were clean animals. And so those were like cows and deer and things like that. But then unclean land animals. Now, everybody, I know y'all love bacon, okay? Because I love bacon too. Okay, but don't worry. This is not a message on how you can't eat bacon. Don't worry about that. Because if it was, I would not, I'll be like, look, I'm not giving up bacon. All right, God? But see, is it, that's not that message. But it's uh, the unclean land animals were pigs and, and, and squirrels and as you can see, the animals that that um, did not chew cud uh, uh, and did not have a partner hoof, and then they actually ate insects too. And there's a difference between clean and unclean insects. The clean insects, it says, that has a, a bend in their in their legs and they jump around. So basically like crickets and locusts, those were clean insects and they actually ate those. If you remember about our homeboy Elijah, right, what did he live off, right? Honey and locusts, right? So those were clean um, uh, uh, things that they could eat. But then there was unclean insects, um, which were those weans and anything that... Like moths and, and things like that, dragonflies were unclean. And then there were the, the, the water animals, which was any, any fish with fins and scales, uh, those were clean. They could eat that. So that was, you know, uh, all the common fish that we eat, they could eat. Uh, but then again, for all of y'all, you know, if y'all love uh, having, you know, crab and things like that, those were considered unclean uh, water animals, um, but I showed you all that for a reason, because if you look at it and you try to digest it quickly, it's really confusing, right? And you're kind of like, what's the point of all this, God? Like, why so specific? Why so, like, why even have a, uh, a, a dietary law, God, that you've given to the people of Israel? Like, what uh, what's the point of it? And I believe, well, first of all, that God gave this to the people of Israel as another way to... Consecrate themselves and show how they are uh, belong to God and different um, from the rest of the world. Because if if you were alive during that time and you were not uh, an Israelite and you were from the outside looking in, you would look at those Jewish people and be like those guys are different. Those guys are weird. They're so different. They're not eating bacon, all right? There's something different about those people. And so it was a way to signify a difference in consecration to God because really, uh, in the Old Testament, Israel uh, was the vessel that God used to to the world, right? So the world knew God through the nation of Israel. And so there, there had to be consecration. There had to be a difference. There had to be a difference between Israel and the rest of the world. So having these dietary laws was one of those ways of consecration. And sign of them uh, being committed to God. And also, I think there's a, the other reason uh, that God gave these laws was just another way to signify uh, how holy God is and how much weight they had to carry just to get. Not even close to that holiness, but this is a way to, it's just to hold off the fury of God. This this, the, the weight of it to have and, and how to live under that law. It was, it, was, it was so specific. It was so, in a way, so each and every day, every decision you made, you had to have it in the back of your mind saying, I hope I'm not breaking one of the laws. I hope I'm not breaking one of the dietary laws because I don't want to be unclean. And so it was another way to signify how holy God was and how unholy man was and was another way to signify that if you try to live perfectly under the law you weren't able to and it was a way to show and the need that we have for a savior the need that we have saying I cannot keep up with all these laws I don't know about you but I'll be out on the first day with these dietary laws right I'll be eating bacon in the back, and God would be like, I see you, boy. You know what I'm saying? So these laws were hard to keep up with. It was something that had weight. It had a burden. It was something that man could not do by itself. It was something that showing that by law alone, man would always fall short. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. It doesn't matter how disciplined you think you are. We would all fall short, and that's why we need a Savior. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need somebody to come into our life to fill the gap, to ease that burden, and that's the beautiful message of Jesus. See, it it was these dietary laws were highlighting our need for a Savior and displayed our weaknesses so that way we could say, I can't do this on my own. I I, I need, I need a mediator. I need Jesus. Hebrews chapter 10 says it like this. Verse 1. He says, the old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of good things to come, not the good things themselves. And the sacrifices under the system repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing. Everybody say cleansing for those who came to worship. And I believe that applied to these dietary laws as well. It was saying it doesn't matter if you ate all the right foods according to the kosher law. uh, It it would still not make you clean enough uh, for God. It would still not make you holy enough. And it follows up in in verse 9. It says this. It says, then he said, he said, look, this is Jesus talking. He says, look, I have come to do your will. And he says he cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. For God's will for us uh, to, made, to be made holy, everybody say holy, by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all time. So Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament, and he said this, guess what? You can eat bacon and still be saved. Come on, give Jesus a shot of praise for that. because Man, that's a, if there's something I'm thankful for is that I can have bacon in the morning and not worry about my salvation. But that's really, what, if, that's really what the Israelites had to worry about because if they were to eat something that wasn't kosher law, they would be in, in danger of being pushed outside of, of God's pre- push pushed outside of the community. But that's what's so beautiful about Jesus is that he makes us clean once and for all. But with that being said, that doesn't mean that just because God has cleansed us, that doesn't mean that we should stop living consecrated lives. That doesn't mean that, oh, okay, I have been cleansed, so that, that means that I don't have to live consecrated, and I don't have to live different, and I don't have to do things in a certain, No, oh, see, just because God has cleansed us by the blood of Jesus, that, that, that doesn't mean that we don't live consecrated lives. That actually means we continue the consecration. We continue that, that livelihood. We continue that to be just like how the nation of Israel was, a sign to the world about the goodness of God. There's a um, there's there's a story uh, that Dr. Al was actually telling me about uh, this this woman uh, because here's what I'm saying I'm not saying that for you to be holy you need to follow kosher law and stop eating pork and stop eating uh, you know uh, crawfish because I know that's too, too much to ask for, of a lot of y'all right crawfish is is, is a staple <laughs> but what I am saying is that we're supposed to live consecrated. Lives. We're supposed to live differently. And that doesn't mean that we're supposed to eat in a different way. It's supposed to mean that we're supposed to live in a different way. Uh, There's a story that Dr. Al was telling about about a woman, an old lady, uh, who is a Christian, uh, but she uh, decides to live by kosher law. And the size to, uh, to only eat the things that in Leviticus chapter 11. And these people thought that she was being very religious. And, and somebody from the church came up to her and said, so you really think that I'm going to go to hell because I'm eating bacon? Or that I'm going to go to hell because I'm eating crawfish? And she said, she said no, no, no. You, you're still going to go to heaven. Matter of fact, you might get there sooner than I will. Because <laughs> if, you, if you look at all the things, there were some unhealthy things that they were eating. But that's not the point. See, if we go back to Leviticus chapter 11, uh, verse 44, this is, what, this is what God was saying about the, about the kosher law, about the dietary law. In verse 44, he says, For I am the Lord your God, you must consecrate. Everybody say consecrate. Consecrate, consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. God called his people to be holy. He so said, I've called you, he's talking to the nation of Israel, so I've called you to be holy. Why? Because I am holy and I am your God. And if you are to follow after me, you must consecrate yourself. If you to follow after me, if you're going to be my people, you must consecrate yourself. And that is what the dietary law did. It consecrated the nation of Israel. Because God calls his people to be set apart. And that still goes in today's time. God calls us to live set apart. He calls us to live differently. Because imagine if the Jewish people, if the nation of Israel 2,000 years ago before Jesus, imagine, imagine if they lived exactly how the rest of the world lived. They didn't have any separate laws. They didn't have any separate commandments. There would be no way for anybody to be able to differentiate the, the Jewish people from the people of the world. See, in the same way in today, we are supposed to live in a way to where people can look at us and they should know that we love Jesus because we are living a consecrated life. That doesn't mean that we look at people and say, I'm better than you. No, that means that we are still trying to show not how good we are, but how great God is. And that's a life of consecration. That's a life of saying, look how good of a God that we serve. We are supposed to live differently from the world. We're not supposed to align with the world. We're supposed to live differently from the world. And that is how we are a light into this world is that we live differently. There is no way that we can make a difference if we're not living any differently from anybody else. The only way we can make a difference is when we choose to live different for God And in somebody who is lost in this world, because we know a lot of lost people. There's a lot of people who need Jesus. There's somebody who's lost in this world who is looking at you because they know you're a Christian. And they're trying to see what you do different. And if you don't do anything different, they're going to say, well, then what's the point of being a Christian? What's the point of falling after Jesus? Because he or she's doing the same thing I'm doing. And so then there's no way you can, you can be a light. But if you say, you know what, that so-and-so, they go to church, they go to Riverside Church, they're a Christian, and they love Jesus, and they do things so much different from me. Uh, maybe there's something to this Jesus thing because they have joy, they have peace, they have confidence. They're not giving in to the opinions of everybody else. There's something different, and that's a light into the world to draw people to the name of Jesus. This is what First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 14 says. It says, so you must live as God's obedient children. Do not slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't, you didn't know any better then, right? Who knows before Jesus, you really didn't know any better. He <laughs> said, but now you must be holy in everything you do just as God who you chose, who, who chose you is holy, for the scripture says, and then this is Peter talking in the New Testament, he then begins to say what Leviticus chapter 11 says, where he says, you must be holy be, be holy, because I am holy. And he talks about the kosher law. But, he, but is Peter saying you can't eat bacon? No, he's not saying that. Peter is saying you need to live differently. You need to live in a different way than you did before. He's saying you need to live in a way uh, that was different from how you lived before Jesus. So you need to live in a way that once you're cleansed by the blood, you don't go back to how you lived before. But you need to live in a way that lines up with the will that God has for your life. That is how we consecrate ourselves, and that's how we be a light in this world. Amen? It's to live that life of consecration. So Peter was saying, don't go back to your old desires. He says, because you didn't know any better then. Here, here's really here's here's a point here's a sub thought to that because even if before Jesus even if you tried to live holy you weren't holy because you didn't have the blood even if before Jesus, you said, you know what? Well, I'm giving to charities, and I'm a kind person, and I'm doing all these works. Guess what? Before Jesus, even if you try to be holy, you're, you're, you're not, without the blood, you're nothing, right? Without the blood, it doesn't matter the works. Without the blood, it doesn't matter how good you think you are. Without the blood, I don't care if you're as good as Oprah Winfrey, all right? You are not, you're not cleansed. It doesn't matter. But after the blood of Jesus, he said, now you know better after the blood of Jesus, now when you do things in my name, now you when you do works in my name, now it's actually adding to something. Now it's not adding to your name. It's adding to the kingdom of heaven. It's not adding to, to what your good works. Are, it's adding to God's good name, and that is what Peter was saying. See, we were cleansed by the blood, but Peter says, but you still got to live consecrated. You can't just say, well, now that I'm cleansed, I can go back to, to the old, or you can't say, now that I'm cleansed, I can go back to the, to the old habits. No, now that we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we are called to live a consecrated life. Amen? Yes. Once we are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we're called to live differently from the world. That's point one uh, for tonight, is that we are called, everybody say called, wow. we are called to consecration. Yes. We are called to it. We're called to to live a life after God's instruction. We're called to live a life of prayer. We're called to live a life of devotion. We are called to live a life that is differently from the world. We're called to it. It's not just something that we have to do. It's really something that we get to do. It's really something in the response to God. It's really something in response through his blood. Because if you really understand what Jesus did for you, you're saying, God, I'm all in. Jesus, I'm, I'm as consecrated as I can be. God, how can I spend more time with you? How can I be more time in prayer, God? Because that is the correct response to the blood of Jesus. He's saying, God, how can I live for you? Because you've done so much for me. There's no way I can pay you back. But, God, I want to follow after your name i see the goodness and the greatness and i see the power of the blood that has been applied to my life now i want to live differently i don't want to go back to the old you see really when we go back to the old nature after god has given us a new nature we're basically saying god it wasn't good enough i, I appreciate the blood but it wasn't good enough for me to change what i'm doing oh i i, I thank you for the blood but you know the blood isn't good enough for me to change my ways and my mind and my habits you know I'm thankful but you know I want to I still want to live how I used to live but a correct sense of thankfulness and gratitude is saying I'm so thankful for you Jesus I don't want to go back to the old I'm so thankful for you Jesus God I want to change everything about me less of me God and more of you less of the flesh and more of the spirit that's that's the greatest sign of gratitude is obedience the greatest sign of gratitude is obedience. You know, if you have a, a, have a mom or dad, and, or especially a dad, the greatest way to show them you're thankful is to be obedient, right? The greatest way to, sh- to, to show them that you're thankful for everything that they do in your life, for the provision of the, of the food and the home or whatever it is. When you're a child, the greatest way, right, they said to, sh- to show that you're thankful is to be obedient. And the same way for us to show gratitude to God it's for us to be obedient to him. You see we cannot we cannot consecrate ourselves. Some people you know if without the blood we can't consecrate ourselves. Christ is who consecrates us. But we are supposed to continue that consecration. See, the blood of Jesus consecrates us, makes us new, but then we need to continue to walk in that consecration. We're not supposed to leave it behind, but we're supposed to continue it. We're supposed to make sure that each and every step that we take, that it is in the mind of saying, God, I want to continue this good work that you started on the inside of me. That every decision that we make saying, God, I want to continue what you started on the inside of me. That's why Jesus said, pick up your cross daily, right? And follow after me. didn't say, hey, once you went to the cross, you're good for the rest of your life. No, he said, pick up your cross and carry it daily because this life of consecration is a daily act. It's something that you have to make a decision about each and every day. It's something that you have to be intentional about each and every day. Where when you wake up, you say, God, how can I live for you today? When you wake up, say, God, how can I please you today? When you wake up, say, God, what do you want me to do today? Because I am consecrated to you. I am consecrated consecrated to your will. I am aligned with what you have for me. God, show me what to do. And God will begin to lead you and to guide you. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm called to consecration. I'm called to consecration. In Exodus chapter 15, uh, verse 26, this is God speaking and telling the nation of Israel. God said, he said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and obeying, everybody say obeying, obeying his commands, and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases, everybody say diseases, I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Now I believe that not only did God give Israel those dietary laws as a way to sh- show consecration, but he gave them those laws as a way to protect them from diseases, to protect them from different things. Because if you, if you look deeper, you'll begin to notice that what these animals, these unclean animals have in common, they're all uh, really, they, they prey on the dead, they prey on the, on, on, on the bacteria of the world, they, they're, they're all scavengers. If you, if you look at the vulture, the vulture, right, it's an unclean animal, and it preys on the dead things. The, the, the hawks, they prey on, on dead things. If you, if you, if you look at, at the pig, what does the pig eat, right? All the filth of the earth. I don't know why it tastes so good, but because it, it eats all the nastiest stuff, right? And, and if you look at the, at, at, at the rat, which is an unclean animal, right, what does it eat? It feasts on all the nasty things. If you, if you look at a, at a shrimp, if you love shrimp, let me just say this. Do not look at what they eat, okay? Because that's going to ruin shrimp for you. They 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 eat on the filth of the of the water, right? But so if you look at all these, God was in a way protecting them from different things that not even modern medicine or medicine or, or scientific data had at that time, because they didn't know that that was a, a form of bacteria and disease was eating. They didn't know that. They did, God was just telling them to stay away from those things. And I believe it was a way to protect them from those things as a way to protect them uh, from different diseases. I was talking to a church member today uh, who is in the medical field, and he began, I'm talking about the clean and unclean animals, and begin to describe that, that modern medicine has caught up with that. And now there will be different things that will just say, hey, don't eat that crawfish, or don't eat this, and don't eat that, because it, they're trying to medically protect their patients by describing them to do what God is describing the Israelites to do. All throughout his law. And modern medicine was kind of catching up to what God was telling the the Israel people to do. But see, in that time, the the Israelites had no idea that this was a medical fact, uh, the things that they were doing that God was instructing. But God knew. There's actually, um, in the year 1300, because one of the laws that, uh, that God gave the, the Israelites, that if there was an unclean animal, and if it came into your home, and if it died, if like if a rat came into your home and it died, you had to, to dispose of that unclean animal, and then you had to wash your hands. So you had to cleanse yourself. And it also said in the law, and this is in chapter 11, it says that if an unclean animal would uh, walk on like a plate or a, or a vessel, that you had to throw that plate or vessel out. That that vessel is now unclean. And that's why th- diseases and, and things like that was was a, a very way to stop it early was because they practiced this kosher law. In the year 1300, during the, 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 the bublonic plague, I hope I'm saying that right, Um, black death, Uh, during the year 1300s in Europe, a a bacteria, a disease that traveled on uh, rats went all over Europe. And it's 25% of people died in Europe. But studies actually show that uh, Jewish villages who practiced kosher law had a far lower death rate than the rest of Europe because they practiced kosher law and what said that they would, if they saw, or if the, first of all, they, they couldn't get anywhere near rats, which is what carried the, the, the black death. They couldn't get anywhere near it, but it says that if they did get, did get near it, they had to wash their hands and dispose of the rat. And because of that, because nobody else in Europe at that time washed their hands, all right? And so because of that, The death rates were so much lower. And now medical medicine is seeing the insight and the wisdom of God and seeing how that insight protected the nation of Israel during the time where there was no modern medicine. And that's why the nation of Israel prospered in a lot of ways because they followed a law that protected them. They followed a law that God protected them from diseases and protected them from different things. But this is what James chapter 1 verse 22 says. It says, but don't just listen to God's word, but you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless, everybody say bless, bless Bless you for doing it. See, when God gives us instruction, he doesn't give us instruction to be a burden, he gives us an instruction to be a blessing. When God was giving instruction to the nation of Israel about the kosher law uh, back before the time where modern medicine could protect them, he wasn't doing that as a way to burden the people. He was doing that as a way to bless the people and the nation of Israel. I remember one time, um, I remember I was like uh, eight years old, maybe younger. But I remember I went to my cousin's house. And if you know, uh, you know, first of all, I would say if you know my cousins, but none of y'all do, thankfully. Uh, but my cousins are crazy. And uh, when I was going, they were playing with, it wasn't even like 4th of July. It wasn't even the New Year's. But for some reason, they had all these fireworks. You know, that's just how they were. So they had all these fireworks. And I wanted to go play with those fireworks so bad. And my parents said, no, don't play with them. But that didn't stop me, you know. And so I, went, I when my parents left, I went and my cousin and started playing with all these fireworks. And they had these black cats, if you know what they are. They, they just make it. They just explode, right? And uh, so we were throwing these black cats at each other. We are just having a fun time, you know. I'm not thinking I'm going to get hurt or anything like that. And, and I remember we throwing it at each other, and I lit one. And then my cousin did something. I was laughing. And I began to have a conversation with him, and I forgot that I'm holding a lit firework in my hand. And my cousin said, look, and I said, like this. And I look at my hand, and right when I look, it explodes in my hand. And I, and I literally thought, my hand is gone. Like, I'm going to be a one-handed eight-year-old, and everybody's going to, like, you know, say, pick on me at school. And I remember my hand felt like something exploded. I, feel, it was, it was a, I couldn't feel my hand for, like, a few days. And but I remember my parents got home, and I got so much in trouble. And my parents said, look, we were telling you that, not so you couldn't have fun, but so you couldn't get hurt. Right? Y'all? We, we told you don't play with the fireworks, not so you wouldn't have fun with your cousins. We said that because we know your cousins and we know you and you're gonna get hurt around fireworks. But that's how God, when God gives us instruction. He is not trying to take away the fun, okay? When God gives us instruction, he's not trying to to imprison us in that instruction and hold us down. No, God is trying to empower us, to protect us. God's trying to bless us and not be a burden, amen? So that's point two for tonight is that God gives instruction not to constrain us, but to conserve us. Not to constrain us, but to conserve us. When, when God gave that instruction to the nation of Israel of kosher law, he wasn't trying to constrain them. He was trying to conserve them so they could prosper, so that way they could live longer and not suffer the same diseases that the rest of the world did at that time. And so when God gives us instruction, he's not trying to imprison us. He's trying to empower us. Because the only way we can correctly follow after God, the, the only way we can correctly do what God wants us to do is by doing it how God said to do it. Because let me say this. If you try to do God's will without his instruction, you're not going to have a fun time. You're going to have a firework pop in your hand. you be like, oh, whoops. You know? You're not going to have a fun time of it. The only way we can do God's will is by doing it his way. Because sometimes we, we we suffer from something of, of or 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 knowing what God wants us to do, but we want to do it our way, knowing where God wants us to go, but we want to go our way. And then we, when we try to do it, and we fall short, we get confused, and we point fingers at God. And say, God, you wanted me to do this. He said, Yeah, I want you to do that, but I want you to do it this way. I want you to do it in the destruction I've told you to. I want you to do it by the way I've told you to. Because see, the only way we can do God's will is by doing it His way. That's the only way we can do it. But I found the beauty in this is that when God gives me instruction, no longer do I think of that as constraints and saying, okay, God, you're just making it difficult on me. Oh, I have to do this, and I have to do that. Okay, God, that's just a hard way of doing it. But now when God gives me instruction, instead of looking at like constraints, I get a sense of confidence from it. Because I know, I said, man, if I just follow and be obedient, God's going to show up. If I just follow God's word and be obedient to his instruction, favor is going to show up. If I just follow after it, it might sound crazy, it might be difficult, but if I just shut up and do it, God's going to show up in that situation, and I'm going to see miracle signs and wonders take place. If turn to your neighbor and say, I need God's instruction. I need God's instruction. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 11, uh, this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees and the Pharisees this called out uh, the disciples because they did something that was unclean. They, uh, before they ate their, their food, they didn't wash their hands. And the Pharisees called them out on it and began to challenge Jesus and his disciples. And this is how Jesus responded to it in verse 11. He said, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words, everybody say words, mm. that come out of your mouth. And this is funny. He says, then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Like, do you realize you just made them mad? Because basically that eliminates all of what the Pharisees have to stand on. Because what they were standing on was religion. What they were standing on was works. What they were standing on was saying, I'm so holy because I follow kosher law. I'm so holy because I follow the, the, the law of Moses to a T. That's what makes me holy. That's what makes me better than all of you is the works that I do. But Jesus said, hey, look, none of that matters. What, 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 and he began to give a, a different light. It's what comes out of your mouth that matters. It's not what goes into your mouth that makes you holy. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. But in verse 13 he says but then Jesus replied this he said every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be uprooted so ignore them they are blind guides leading the blind and if one blind person guides another they will both fall into a ditch. This is what God was saying I he, he was saying look because, again, you remember the disciples, they grew up looking at the Pharisees like they were God, right? They were representatives of God. Like anything they said, it was coming from the mouth of God. And so they were confused a little bit by saying, hey, Jesus, don't you know you're confusing the, the Pharisees? You're, you're offending the Pharisees. And, and Jesus said this, look, don't be confused because, look, if God didn't say if God's not leading it, do not follow it. Because it will be the blind leading the blind. And how that applies today, if God's not telling you to do it, if God's not giving you direction, if it doesn't come from God's word, do not follow after it. Because there's a ton of new age philosophy and psychology. There's a ton of things where they try to replace the word of God, where they try to say, hey, if you want to have a a prosperous life, then you do this and that and that. But let me just give you a warning and a heads up. This is what Jesus said. If it's not God... Don't follow it, because it will be the blind leading the blind, and you're going to fall in the same ditch that they're in right now. And Jesus was saying, follow after what God is telling you to do. But then it says, then Peter uh, said to Jesus, he says, well, explain to us the parable that says people aren't defiled by what they eat. That's why I love Peter, because he goes straight to the point. And Jesus said, don't you understand yet? Jesus asked, anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. If you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, you're wrong, because that's funny. That's a funny line right there, okay? He said, whatever you eat, it passes, all right? Don't worry about it. In verse 18, he says, but the words, everybody say words. words. But the words you speak come from the heart, and that's what defiles you. From the, for from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, death, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. You said. The, the Pharisees are trying to trying to show that it's works that makes you holy. It's religion that makes you holy. It's falling after all these things that makes you holy. No, it's what's on the inside of you is what makes you holy. It's what's on the inside of you that makes you right standing with God. Because if what comes out of your mouth isn't what lines up with God, that is what defiles us. Because our mouth is connected to our hearts. Jesus said, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. It's what comes out. Yeah. See, God gave Israel the kosher law as a, as a sign of consecration, right? As a, as a way of showing them they're different to the world, right? He, he gave them the kosher law so that way the world can know that Israel is different, right? Because they eat different, they eat crazy. But I, I think how we can apply this today is that how we can make a way of a sign of, you know, the greatest sign of consecration is what comes out of our mouth. The greatest way to show the world that we're different is how we speak. It's how we communicate. It's the words that we use. That is how we show our consecration. It's by how we communicate. It's by how we talk. You see, the world... the world talks in such an unclean way, in a way of bringing each other down, in a way of defiling each other, in a way of using all the wrong words. But how we show that we are different, how we show that we have something different on the inside of us, is that we say, I'm not going to talk like the world. I'm not going to use the words that the world's trying to put on us. I'm going to talk in a way that God has called us to communicate. I'm going to speak life, not death. I'm going to speak faith, not fear. I'm going to be kind. I'm not going to be talking bad about each other behind our back. No, I'm not going to talk like that because that's how the world talks and we're supposed to live consecrated. And how we can show the world that we're different is that we choose to speak different. We choose to communicate different. That's point three and final point for tonight is that we are called to consecrate how we communicate. We are called to consecrate how we communicate. We are called to talk differently than from how the world communicates and talk we are called to to communicate differently to each other than how the world does to each other right we need to watch how we talk to each other and because the world sees that the world sees how christians treat christians okay the world sees how brothers in Christ treat brothers and sisters in Christ, right? The world sees that. we got to watch how we communicate to each other because if we don't show a unified church, if we don't show a unified body of Christ, the world's going to look at, at the church, look at us, and say, they're just as messed up as we are. They're still pointing fingers like we are. What's the difference? No, we need to show, hey, no, we are consecrated people. We talk differently. We're not perfect, but we show grace. We show love. We have Jesus on the inside of us. And that's what makes us different because if Jesus is on the inside of you, Jesus will come out of your mouth. If Jesus is on the inside of your heart, then Jesus will speak through you. Jesus will communicate through you. And that's what makes us different from the rest of the world. That's how we show how, just how the nation of Israel showed their consecration through kosher law. I believe we show our consecration by how we communicate. Because we're not going to talk like how everybody else talks. We're not going to treat each other how, how the world treats each other. We're not going to show up. And, and, and that goes far beyond just using foul language, okay? That goes far beyond this not using cuss words. It goes, it goes deeper than that. It's saying, you know what, I, I don't want to not just use foul language and un, unclean language, everybody see? But I want to communicate in a way that's encouraging. I don't want to be pessimistic. I don't want to be bringing people down. I want to build people up. I want to communicate in a way where when I leave the room, people in that room are better than what I was when I came into that room. That's how I want to communicate because if we do that in that way, the world's going to see there is something different on the inside of them. There is something different because they don't talk like me. Everybody else is mad at each other, but they have that sense of peace even though they're in the same craziness as me. Everybody, but that's what shows our consecration. That's how we can show the love of Jesus is by the words that come out of our mouth. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. I believe the most powerful tool that we have is the words that we speak with. It's how we communicate. It's how we talk to each other. It's how we, it's how we display our heart is by the words that we use. That is how we make a difference. See, the quickest way you can change your world is when you change your words. It's the quickest way you can change your world. Begin to change how you speak. Change how you communicate. Begin to communicate in a way that's encouraging. We all know that people, that, that person or group of people who, for some reason, even though everything's going crazy, they're acting like they're having a good day. And, they're seeing, you, see, and you see, and they have joy, and they have peace, and you're saying, you know what? There's something different about them. There's something they have that I need, and that's how we need to be towards the world. The world needs to look at us and say, there's something that they have that I need. There's something that's on the inside of them that I need because everybody else is talking crazy, but they're talking about Jesus, and they're communicating in a way that's uplifting, that's encouraging, and that's how we show the sign, hey, that Jesus truly is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus truly is the difference maker. Why? Because you and I aren't perfect, but Jesus is perfect, and we've got him on the inside of us. He will speak through us. He will talk through us, and all of a sudden, before we know it, we're a light in this dark world. We're encouraging people. We're being obedient to the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, people are looking and coming to the house of God. Why? Because how we talk and how we communicate. Amen. Come on, give Jesus a hand, clap of praise. If you believe that's not you, can stand to your feet. I'm closing. I'm closing tonight. I'm closing. i we'll to close at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is Paul talking. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Everybody say sacrifice. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Here's what I want us to catch. That way you may prove, everybody say prove, what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, we live consecrated lives not, not so that we can prove to other people that we are good. We don't live consecrated lives so that way everybody can say, hey, look at me. Look how good I am. Look how great I am. I'm not. I'm, I'm. refraining from cussing. I'm refraining from this. I'm refraining. Look how good I am. That's not the point. That's not why we live consecrated lives. It's not so we can prove that we are good. We live consecrated lives so that way we can prove that God is good. That way we can prove that God is great. That way we can prove that there is a God in this world who can change you from the inside out so much to the point that it changes you on the inside to where you talk differently, where you walk differently, where you think differently, where you begin to do things that you couldn't before, and that's only God who does that. That's only God that can do that. And so we live consecrated lives not because we feel like it's a sense of us proving to people that we're good. No, we live consecrated lives because we're trying to prove to the world that God is good. I want to close with this thought tonight, is that consecration is not a response of religion. Consecration is a response of relationship. Consecration is not a response of religion. It's not, don't think, don't think and point your fingers at people and say, oh, they're just, they're living differently because they're being religious, or they're being self-righteous, or no. No, that, being, living consecration is not a response of religion. Consecration is a response of relationship. Consecration is saying, God, you are so good to me. God, you have been so great. You have been so so gracious and merciful to me that I dedicate my life to you. And my response to that, and my response to salvation, and my response to the power and the might that you have Given to me in response to that, I'm going to live a consecrated life. I'm going to live a life that's different from everybody else. I'm going to live a life that is a line in the sand saying, I was one way before Jesus, but now I'm totally different after Jesus. That is our response. It's not out of religion. It's not out of works. It's not out of a way to to be in in a competition. It's a way of relationship with Jesus saying, God, even if I was the only person on this planet, I'll still live this way. I'm not trying to prove myself to people. I'm not trying to show, no, God, I'm doing this because you have been so good to me. And every time I think about Jesus, every time I think about the goodness that he has given us, every time I think about who I was before the name of Jesus, every time I remind myself of of where I was, the darkness that was there, every time I go back to before the blood, I, I say, God, you've been so good to me look at what you brought me out of, look at what you saved me from, look at what you did on the inside of me. The only response that I can give is everything that I have, and give it to you, God. The only correct response that I can give is saying, Jesus, I give my life to you. Jesus, I dedicate everything to you. You If you're in this place tonight, and you're saying, I lived a life of consecration. I, I lived a life differently, but I but I messed up or I, or I stopped being consistent or I stopped praying or stopped going to church or whatever it is that we have that the enemy's trying to tell you that you've messed up or, or that you're not able to anymore, the great thing about the blood of Jesus is that it covers everything and that as long as we follow after his name and say, God, I want to live differently for you and I want to make that decision each and every day, it doesn't matter what yesterday looks like because we always have a tomorrow in Jesus. We always have a today. We always have the moment. Say, God, I want to live for you. I don't have to be weighted by the past. I don't have to be weighted down by yesterday. But, God, I am powered by the blood of Jesus. And so, Father, we pray over every person in this place tonight. God, let them respond to the message, God, that we're going to live consecrated lives, that we're not going to, God, live a life that is mirroring the life that we lived before Jesus. But no, we're going to live a life that's totally different, that is empowered by the Spirit, that is led by grace, that is, in a way, showing to the world how good and how great you are as a testimony, as a witness, as a way, Father, to you to get all the glory, that if somebody can take, if God can take somebody that is so broken and messed up and in such a wrong sense of life and take that broken vessel and cleanse them and wash them and make them a new creation and turn them into the person that they have been called to and purposed to. If God is able to do that, then God can do anything. God can transform any situation. God can turn anything around. God can break through any limitation. And it's all by us saying, God, you have the power. You have the might. You have, Father, all the, all the grace and the mercy, God, that we require, that we need, that we are able to tap into it at any moment and say, God, work through this. God, work through me, Father. I work through this, God, that I'm going to allow my life to be a consecrated vessel to show others that there is a better way to live. There's a different alternative to show the world that they don't have to be locked down or put in a place to where they can't be weighted down by sin anymore, but by Jesus that you can be set free and live a life of freedom and power and might. And that when we get together, when we come together as the body of Christ, we see how we talk differently, act differently. We're consecrated for a reason, and that's to live a life after Christ. So, Father, we pray over every individual, God, under the sound of my voice. Father, spark, God, on the inside of them, Father. God, a way, Father, to know, God, that we dedicate our lives to you. We're going to live a life of consecration because, Jesus, you are worth it. God, you are worth it. We give you all that we have. We give you all that we own. And, Father, we say we're going to live a life consecrated to the name of Jesus. Come, if you believe that, give Jesus a shout of praise tonight.